with the study. I just took notes last night, and I get to preach his stuff. So made it really easy on me, so thank Keith that uh, he made my job way easier today. But if you don't have a Bible, we want to make sure that you have the Word of God. We have a Bible that we're going to give to you. We're not going to charge you for it. So if you need the Word of God, lift your hand up, and the ushers are going to bring you a Bible. Amen. We need the Word of God. We need the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else nervous this morning? I'm not either. I just want to make sure. So one heart and one mind. One heart and one mind. That's what we're after. You know, God has chosen and called each one of us to represent Him. We are called to live a victorious life, one that demonstrates the devil's defeat on a daily basis and draws the people around us towards God and towards victorious living. Amen? Is that what we've been called and chosen to do? You know, God's been speaking to me for the last couple of months. And so when we, um, you know, when we got the opportunity to, to, to speak, you know, I already knew that, that God was, he's been doing some things in my life. We shared this in, in our point man prayer on, on Thursday mornings at six o'clock in the morning. And um, there's some guys that are getting together. But God has been speaking to me and he's been telling me, you know what? There's some things in your life that you need to deal with. There's some things in your life that you need to change. There's some stuff that I want to give to you. There's some stuff in my hand that you're desiring in your life. And it's stuff from God. It's stuff in, in my relationship with Him that I'm desiring. But He said, you know, there's some stuff that you're hanging on to that if, if you don't let that stuff go, I'm not able to put the stuff that I really have for you in your hand. There's some stuff you need to deal with in your life. And I think that's true for each and every one of us. If we want what God has called us to be, if we want all the things of God, there's some stuff in our life that we need to deal with, that we need to get rid of, that we need to let God change our hearts. We need to let God do something on the inside of us that changes us from the inside out. And, and you know, it's been said, you know, this, this God life we're pursuing is a marathon. We're in it for the long haul. We have to set our heart and our mind on the interests of the Father. We need to focus and go after it on purpose. Guys, we got to go after this God life on purpose. It's not going to just happen. we got to go after it on purpose. It takes more focus to end a marathon than it does to begin it. It takes more focus. You know, we can say the prayer and we start this marathon. But there comes some times in our life where, you know what, if we don't keep our focus in the right place... That we're not going to finish this marathon. Amen. It's 26 miles of marathon. I can just imagine what it gets down to, like mile 24, 25. You know, they're having to push through. They're having to to go back to where they prepared their mind mentally uh, to 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 finish this thing. So we got to be preparing our hearts. We got to be preparing our minds so that we can finish this race that we're in. Amen. So. The, the same can be uh, said about God life. Where you focus your attention determines from where your strength comes from. You know, if we focus on the issues, the things that we have going on in our life, and, and get our focus and our attention off of Christ, man, it makes life tough. But I know that as I go through things, um, you know, we've been moving my shop here. Uh, uh, we had to move our shop here last week. We got kicked out of the city of Kennewick, and, and not because we're bad, but but just because of zoning issues. And um and so over this last week we were we were moving, but we were supposed to be taking possession of a new building back on the first. Well today is the tenth or eleventh. 
Yeah, today's the 11th. Well, we just moved the building last week. On the 27th of last month, we were supposed to quit doing business where we were at. Well, so I'm waiting for this guy to get his stuff out of the building that I signed a lease on to be in on March 1st. So there was about 10 days there where there's no income coming into my business, but there's four or five guys working, and I still got to pay these guys. And um, so every time I would think about this, you know, I would just think, I just want to go strangle this dude. You know, I'm going to go over there. We're just going to go over there with our forklifts and our stuff. We're just going to move his stuff outside, and then he can, you know, then he can come and get it when, you know, because this is my building. This is my time. And that's what I wanted to think about. Do you know how many times I said God works all things together for my good? Because I love him and I've called his purpose. I, I bet you I said that a thousand times over the last ten days. Because every time I got that thought, I wanted to take that thought captive. Because I know that God is working all things together for my good. If I will focus my attention on him and not on the situation, the circumstances that life is going to bring at you, that he's going to make sure that all things work together for your good, because we love him. Do you love God? Are you called to his purpose? Do you want to have one heart and one mind with Christ? Then that means when, when this world is throwing life at you, then you better do what God says to do. You better have prepared your heart in advance, because life's coming. Stuff's coming. It's coming. It, but you know what? We don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid, because God has promised that he's going to do all things uh, it's going to work all things together for our good. So we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12 in the New King James Version. I'm going to take a drink. Y'all just take a breath. And we and Pastor taught on this on on these here you know a month or two ago, and um, we're going to go back over this a little bit. It says therefore. We also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, every, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Least you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And if we read this in the message, I like the message that the the two second verses says, Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed, the exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, is that what it says, flagging, flogging? Go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. You know, as we're looking at life and, and life's coming at us, you know, we've got an example if we'll keep our focus on Jesus, Jesus went through it all. He was a man. And, and life came at him up to the point of death. But his interests were always the interests of the Father. They were not his. We have a perfect example. When, when, when we're going through stuff, if we will just look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, if we'll look at what he did, what he went through, what he endured, what he put up with, 
Man, it makes our stuff look small. It makes our stuff look small in comparison. In the Amplified Version, just verse 3, the last part of that verse says, Reckon up and consider it all in comparison with your trials, so that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart, because we want to have one heart, and relaxing and fainting in your minds. Guys, we want to have a heart like Christ. We want to have a mind like Christ. We don't want to get relaxed and faint and fall down before we're done with this marathon. We want to have one heart, one mind with God. If we will do that, keep our focus on Him, we can't lose. We can't lose. We've already won. All it, we just got to realize what God has done for us and make it personal. Go after this God life. If you're not excited about what God's doing, you just don't know Him yet. You just haven't taken the time to find out who he is and what his interests are. And that's the only, if you're struggling in an area of your life, the only reason you're struggling there is because you haven't taken the time to get in his word. Apply that word. When the guy won't get out of your shop, you apply that word. You don't go down there and strangle him. You know, when sickness and disease is coming against you, we don't get into agreement with that. We don't look at that. We plow into the word. Isn't that right, babe? We plow into the word. And also, I want to give honor where honor is due. Um, we celebrate our 28th anniversary on Friday. And, uh, and, and you know, I just want to tell my wife I love her, and uh, she's awesome. And so, um, you know, I've had to endure a lot in 28 years. As you guys know, you've heard my, my testimony, you know, heard parts of it, and uh, I've had to do endure great things. Not really. It's kind of the other way around. So, um, anyhow... 28 years, it's pretty awesome, and it's definitely a miracle. So anyhow, so, and as we look at this, um, even if you go back to chapter 11, and I don't have it up there, but if you go back to chapter 11, there's a list. There's a whole list of, of people who have went before us and endured all kinds of great things that have come against them, made all kinds of stupid decisions. Can anybody say amen there? And and But yet, but as we look at it, even Paul, even though he was aware of the greatness of those who bore witness, because it says that they bore witness in chapter 11, Paul had his focus on Jesus. He still had his focus. You know, even though we've got some witnesses, you know, they're saying we can do it. You know, you can do it. We've done it. You can do it. You can do this. You can live this God life. But, but even though we have those witnesses, if we don't focus on Jesus, it doesn't matter what those witnesses have done. Because you can't hang on their shirt tails. You can't get this God life done. Unless you focus on the right thing. And that's focus on Jesus. One heart, one mind. We have an example of this with um, Paul and Timothy in Philippians 2, 19 through 24. We're going to read it in the message. How many of you guys love the message? Amen. How many of you love the King James? <laughs> we got to throw that out for Marty. We got to bring it around. It says in, in Philippians 2, verse 19 through 24. I plan... This is what Paul says. I plan according to Jesus' plan. Right there, that gives this all the way. I plan according to Jesus' plan. Are you planning according to Jesus' plan? To send Timothy to you very soon so he can bring back all the news of you he can gather. Oh, how that would do my heart good. I have no one quite like Timothy. He is loyal and genuinely concerned for you. Most people around here are looking out for themselves with little concern for the things of Jesus. But you know yourselves that Timothy is the real thing. He, he's been a devoted son to me, as together we've delivered the message. As soon as I th- see how things are going 
to fall out for me here. I plan to send him off, and then I'm hoping and praying to be right on his heels. You know, when you send somebody, you know, we're representatives of God, and, and when you send somebody uh, out to represent you, you know, you're hoping that they uh, will be concerned about the same issues that concern you. Their heart and their mind are going to be like yours. Amen. You want, when, when you send somebody out, you're hoping that they don't go and blow it up. Like, like this weekend, Pastor has sent Keith and I to represent him, and he's hoping that in one weekend we don't blow this whole thing up and, and ruin everything that he's trying to teach us in this house. Amen. So he's trusting that we can have the same heart and the same mind. You know, he met with us and talked to us and threatened us, and I think he lost week, weight this week because he was fasting and praying. Not really. He really puts his trust in Jesus. And he's, and he's trusting that, that we've taken the time and prepared and, and that we're looking to Jesus so that, so that we can, can do what God has called us to do. Because I tell you what, this is not a desire of mine. You know, and I talk to God about it sometimes. And I think, you know, this is not a desire of mine to stand up in front of people and, and talk about you know, I mean, one-on-one, and we can go have lunch and do all that stuff. That's awesome. Ride motorcycles, talk about Jesus. That's great. This is not a desire of mine. I do not desire to stand up in front of you guys and and teach. But you know what? Here we are. So we're going to do it. So and then also, you know, like I said, I have business, and, um, you know, i got some guys work for me. When when I see Rod out on a job, or Chris, or Jesse, or, or – uh, the other guys, when I send them out on a job, you know, I'm expecting them that when they go out there, that they're, that they're going to do the quality of work that I want them to do, that they're going to act the way that I want them to act, that they're not going to go out there and cuss and rant and rave and, and treat people differently than I would treat them. Rod really has to work on that sometimes. But, um, but um, you know, so but when I send them out on a job, you know, I'm expecting them to do what I would do as if I were there. You know, I've, uh, we work for a big farm down in, in Hermiston. And, and I trust that Rod, I've, Rod is building a relationship with them because I don't get to be there as much as I used to be. And so I've put my trust in him that he's going to continue the relationship with them that I have with them. They're great friends of mine and they trust me with, with everything that they have. And, and I'm encouraging Rod to build the same relationship with them so that they will trust him with everything they have so that, that when, I don't show up that they're not like, oh, Todd's not here today. You know, pastor's hoping that someday we're going to develop into to speakers so that when he's not here, that, you know, church doesn't change. Worship doesn't change. The teaching doesn't change. Everything's the same. And so we want to represent what God wants us to represent. We want to represent him. We want to have one heart, one mind with Christ. Amen? You guys ought to get a medal today for coming to church at 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm serious. That is great. <clears throat> and then, and then, in, in, in Jeremiah three fifteen in the in the New King James, God has promised. So you don't have to be afraid if pastors not here. It says, "I will give you shepherds according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding." So after I read that, I'm like, cool. Then I'm up here, and uh, God promised these people that He was going to give it to them. So that's what it is. Set your heart on things above. Don't allow your heart to change. And then if we look at Philippians 2, 19 through 20, and the Amplified, you know, he sent him out, out, out Timothy, and this is what he said about him. For I have no one like him, no one, of, no one of so kindred a spirit, 
who will be so genuinely interested in your welfare and devoted to your interest. For, for the others all seek to advance their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. You know, we, we gotta have a heart for the interests of God. And, and what you gotta realize is, is Paul's speaking to the church here. He's speaking to believers. He's not speaking to unbelievers. He's speaking to believers. When he's saying we need to have the interests of God and not our own interests when we're serving Him. And, and let me tell you, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, and I'm, it's got to be a challenge for you because it's a challenge for me, unless you're just, like, really good. But it's a challenge for me, and I have to purpose in my heart to keep the interests of God above my own interests. It, it says, um, don't forget who got you to the dance. Remember back in junior high when you go to the dance? You know, I went to a few, not many. When I was young, my mom wouldn't let me go at first, but I kind of won her over, and then I went, and it was like, oh, Okay. I ain't going to those no more. But, you know, you remember that, you know, you go to the dance and there was a lot of new relationships and a lot of breakups during those. We called them sock hops for, you know, all you guys that are younger. That, that's what they call them. But we go to these dances and you would see your friends and, and you would see girls and their hearts would be broken on these nights because um, they didn't remember who they, you know, came to the dance with. And a lot of times. So just remember, Jesus is who brought you to the dance. You didn't do it on your own. He's the one that's got you here, brought you here. And we need to make sure that we have his interest in mind and keep dancing with him. we got to discover and promote the interest of the Father. Your success depends on it. I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, give you a hope and a future. If we don't know what God's plan, his interests are for our life, then... How can we possibly be successful? There's always going to be something missing. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have or what's going on. If we don't know what God created us to do, how can we possibly be successful in this life? It's not possible. I tried. It's not possible. It's not possible. And and who said this? I always do those things which please my Father. Heart and mind of Jesus. What would you have me to do? That's the heart and mind of Paul. That's the same heart and mind that we've got to have. I'm just going to read a few things here to you. Never allow your circumstances to hinder you from pursuing the Father's interest. Never allow your circumstances to hinder you from pursuing the interest of the Father. You know, pastor's been teaching about doing good. So when this guy wouldn't move out of the building, I was trying to help him. So we, I took a forklift over to him. I said, here, use my forklift. And I just gave it to him, and I left it there. You know, I just left it there for days. I left the music because I wanted them out. I wanted to do good even though, and that was my way to just, you know, all right, I'm going to do good. I'm going to do good. God's working all things together for my good. I'm going to do good no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what it looks like. I'm going to keep doing good. This is costing me thousands of dollars. Nope, not going to think like that. I'm going to do good, and God's going to work all things together for my good. It says, um, God is using you to impact the welfare of others. God is, you know, when that guy left, finally got out, he thanked us for being patient. So I wasn't patient, but he thought I was. And that was because that was God flowing through me because I let him use my forklift. And said, and, and, and what the, the, the deal is, is see, his devil is wanting you to focus on self. 
See, and if we'll focus on our own interests, if we'll focus on, on that, he's got us. He's got us. When we're pursuing our own interests and not the interests of the Father, then he's got us right there. Because then we, we, got our, we got one heart then, we got one mind then, and it's our own. And that's not what we're after. It says, just because you're born again doesn't mean you're interested in what he's interested in. So just because you came to church and you said, Jesus, I love you, and I'm making you Lord, my Lord and Savior, Savior does not mean that you've already decided what the inter, you know that you, that you're connected to the interests of God. That's something we got to work at. You got to develop it. You got to pursue. It. You got to begin to know who God is. How can you have the interests of God if you don't yet know who He is? It's not possible. Um, mismanaged interests can paralyze your effectiveness. Mismanaged. You know, we all have interests other than than God and 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 you know church and and the people you know but but all in all if we'll all get the interests of God that's going to bind us together that's going to bind us together as a team what we're trying to do is develop a house that has the same heart and the same mind together and then we also have the heart and mind of Christ amen so if we mismanage our own interests and put them ahead of what God it's going to affect everybody around us as many of you know, if you've been to church more than once, I'm very passionate about Harley-Davidson's. If you just got here today, very passionate. You know, I love to ride motorcycles. Everybody knows that. Everybody that, around me that spends any time with me, they know that that is, that, uh, that outside of church and family work, I, I will spend every dying moment riding my motorcycle. That's what I love to do. And, but you know what, if I mismanaged that interest, it could have, it will completely make me ineffective. Complete, you know, motorcycles and weekends go together. Right? You own a boat, motorcycle, you know, boats and weekends go together. Whatever your passion is, doesn't weekends and whatever you do, don't those things go hand in hand? But we have to make a decision. All right, God, is this what you've called me to do? God, have you called me to ride around the country on a motorcycle? Or have you called me to be in the house? to help my pastor, to serve my pastor, to build up a body of believers that are going to live victorious life. Because every Saturday there's a ride that I could go on. Every Saturday once it's nice. And every Sunday, I, you know, if, if we could have church on Friday, I would ride Saturday and Sunday all weekend, you know, if, that's, if, if we could do it like that. But, you know, I have a job, so I can't. But, you know, so, but, you know everybody knows I'm passionate about motorcycles. Does everybody know that I'm passionate about Jesus? You know, and I talk to guys, and they know every football player. They know every basketball player. They know everything about them. They know every stat. They know everything. And you ask them if they know one scripture out of the Bible. They don't know one. And I'm talking about people that are my brothers that I've locked shields with in the house. I don't mean to be mean, but I mean it's true. If you call yourself a man of God and you do not know anything about the Bible, no, you ain't. You don't have the interests of the Father. You have the interests of your own. You're pursuing your own interests. And you will never be successful until you decide that... I'm not saying sell your boat. I'm not selling my Harley unless an angel is going to have to come to my house and tell me directly. You know? But, but, you know, but I'm going to manage 
that passion that I have. I'm going to manage it. And you know what? Because I do that, man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And I get those moments where I get to ride my motorcycle. Kelly and I go to, to get to go to Sturgis every year. We ride for two weeks solid. It's our only vehicle of transportation. So we ride in the rain, never in the snow yet, but we ride in the rain, the wind, whatever it is. If we want to go somewhere, we get on the motorcycle. So God has blessed me that, that I get that two weeks every year and we ride thousands and thousands of miles. And it, and it, you know, I look forward to it. The minute we leave, I look forward to it for a whole year. And it's coming in August. I won't be here. I just want you guys to know it will not. First part of August. But you know, but I'm managing the passions that I have because I want to do and I want to, I want to have one heart and one mind for God. And I want to make sure that I'm keeping His interests above my own. Amen. Whew. Y'all still with me? All right. Each person must discover and promote the Father's interest. You must be willing to seek. God is looking for those who have sought after Him, His interest. It's not enough to know who a person is and what that person does, but to truly know a person, you need to, to discover their personal interests. I think that every one of us should have to prepare a message to preach on the weekend. I think we all should have to do that. I think it should be required. Because let me tell you what, when I'm, you know, two weeks ago, when I found out that, and, and I didn't get asked, you know, it's like, you can keep the preaching. Okay. When I found that out two weeks ago, do you know what? My mind changes from that moment on. You know, I would like to say that I study the Bible every day. Now, I get the Word of God into my life every day. I can honestly say that one way or another. I do, I do get some Word into my life every day. But there's times when I get home after the end of a day, and I think, God, I did not give you really a quality moment out of my day today. There are times where, I, you know, I did not, you know, God, I, I just want to repent because I did not give you really a part of my heart today. I went through the process. I went through the, the habit. I, I, I read my devotions this morning, but I did it so that because they say you need to be in the Word of God every day. So I do that, and I think that we should because it develops a habit. But there's still times at the end of my day I think, God, I did not give you really what you deserved today. I didn't give you anything really of my heart. I didn't give you something of me. And so I think that we should all, as soon as he, as soon as pastor tells me you're preaching, dude, man, my, man, I go into everything I look at. I'm looking for something, you know. I'm looking for, come on, you know, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? You know, I'm looking for it. I'm when I read the Bible, man, I'm looking. I'm I'm seeking, I'm, I'm, you know how long it took me to prepare for this? You have no idea. But you know what, but what it does is, man, it, I see some things and I learn some things that I did not know before I had to prepare for this day. And guys, we have got to do that. You would be amazed if you do not spend time studying the Word of God. You're missing out. You're just missing out because, man, God fills you with some stuff and He shows you some things in His Word that you don't see by coming here and listening to pastor preach. You just, you can't get it that way. The measure of thought and study you put into the truth you hear, you hear is the measure of virtue and power that's going to come back to you. And that's what it takes. So I just think that everyone, and I'm hoping to get it put into the bylaws of the garden, that everyone gets a weekend to preach. So it'll be covered. Well, it probably won't work because then we wouldn't need a pastor. But 
<clears throat> it's not going to happen. But I just think you should do it just for yourself. Pretend like you're going to preach next weekend and, and see what happens. Um, okay, so, and then, so then we go into Philippians uh, verse 20 and 20, go back to 2, verse 20 and 21 in the Amplified. It says, For I have, for I have no one like him, no one of so kindred a spirit who will so genuinely, genuinely will be so genuinely interested in your welfare and devoted to your interest. For the others seek to advance their own interests, not those of Jesus the, the Messiah. You know, finding people who are interested in what God is interested in, it's rare. Even if everyone that comes to church in the garden, it's still, think about all the people that are out there that don't have the interests of God. You know, God has challenged me to be who he's called me to be. People are, their lives are depending on me and you to be who God has really called us to be. There are people in your world right now that they need you to be as strong as you can be. My family needs me to be as strong as I can be. As I look around, the men that I work with, they need me to be as strong as I can be. They need me to know what God has called me to to do, what my purpose is. They need me to be who God has called me to be. Guys, the people that you have influence, they need you to be who God has called you to be. They need you to know. They need you to deal with the things in your life that need to be dealt with. They need you. Their life is depending on it. We think that maybe our life doesn't matter. You know, God's going to get the job done, but you know what? He's called you. There's a circle of influence that only you're in. I'm not in it. And, and, and he needs you to, to seek him. He needs you to, to be who God has called you to be, to have his interest. No matter what your role in the body is, when you seek the interest, interest of the Father, we're going to have some things in common. See, and that's what's going to tie us all together. If we'll all get one heart and one mind, even though we have interests outside of the church, we all come together. There's one interest. And, and what, what is it here at the garden? We're going to, we want souls to be saved. We want souls to be brought into the kingdom. It's why we do what we do. And so we want to talk about, we got three interests. I need to get moving. We got three um, interests of God. So if you're taking notes, I'm actually going to give you some points here. And, and number one is, is one of God's, you know, his, his number one interest is, is the interest that we have here. In the, and it's the Gospels. God so loved the world. God so loved the world. He loves the lost. You want to know the interests of the Father? Read the Gospels. Read about the life of Christ. Never were his interests his own. And Mark 16, 15 says, And then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. You know, when I think about the world, the first thing that comes to my mind is not usually what God thinks. Go into the world and preach and go in there and help him. It's always like, I mean, until you have to train yourself to think. Because when I think about the world, I think, Man, the world sucks. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you think about it and you think, man, life is hard. You know, the world is always coming down on me. The world is, is against me. But that's not the way we, we can't look at it like it. We've got to have the, the mind of Christ. You know what? These people need Jesus. These people need to know what I know. These people need to know what, the life that God has for them so that they can, they can be successful in this world. Amen? Um. You know, my number one thrill in life should be that I'm saved. You know, you should be excited that you're saved. And then not only be excited that you're saved, but you should be excited to tell other people about who God is and what God has for them. This manifests through your worship, your giving thanks.
To promote outwardly, you must be excited inwardly. Guys, you need to realize what God has done for you. And if you really realize what God has done for you, you can't help but tell people about Jesus. It's, it's going to come out of you. What's in you is going to come out of you. Number two is Acts, the Spirit-filled life. Don't leave home without it. You know, um, if you don't pray in the Spirit, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like riding a Honda. It's almost a motorcycle. Almost. It's almost a motorcycle. You know, if you ride something other than a Harley, you know, that's kind of like being filled with the Spirit. You know, if you're a Christian and you're not spending time praying in the Spirit, man, that's where our power's at. We need to live this Spirit-filled life. Now, now you know, I'm going to let you, you know, you guys know that I really don't care if you ride Hondas. I really don't. I'm going to ride a real motorcycle. You guys can ride whatever you want. But I'm never going to let you live it down. But, um, but you know, God is, is, if you read the book, you're going to find that it isn't something to be ashamed of, but to be sought after. And, uh, you know, and so I just want to, you know, I'm going to do this fast. I just want to, you know, when I, I'm, this is kind of like a Bible study. I'm just showing, the way I laid this out is exactly how I would study it. So I'm going to, we're going to go to Acts chapter 1. Verse, but I'm going to read verses 2 through 11 because I just want you to see this whole story because I'm reading this. Um, I'm thinking about this and I'm picturing this in my mind. What was going on when this was happening? And verse 2 says, Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instruction through the Holy Spirit. See, even they got their instruction through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles for the first from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift promised. As I told you before, John will baptize with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And this is the good part. He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set these dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive the power. You will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they were no long, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men stu- suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here? In, why are you standing here staring in heaven? Jesus had been taken away from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So, as, you know, when I, as I read this, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, these guys just watched Jesus die. You know, and, and he was supposed to be gone. And if they've never seen nobody raised from the dead. Well, I mean, he did some stuff, but... He died, went to the tomb. They saw the whole process. And over the last 40 days, he'd been showing up every now and then to let him know, let them know that he was still alive. Now, if you were a disciple, don't you think you'd be a little freaked out? I mean, it would be like, it would be cool. But, it, but you'd, you know, he's been hanging out every now and then, eating with you and stuff. And the guy was just dead not too long ago. To me, that would be, that would be weird. That would be weird. And then, then we get down here and 
And it says, uh, you know, then the, then the two guys in white robes show up. You know, that would freak me out too. You know, and then and then you can see them. You know, they're they're probably not in their right minds. You know, and they're standing there. And these guys say to him, and I should have got the other versions, but I just laughed when I read this. Uh, after saying this, he was taking thought. Okay, as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white men. Okay, it says, "Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Could you see him?" There's like, I mean, I can just see him just stand there, like, what just happened? You know what I mean? You've been four. He died forty days in, in. I don't, I think that the attitude, I mean, they don't say it, but I'm thinking the, the guys in the white robes, the angels, whatever they were, you know, why are you, they're, they're standing saying, why are you just standing here? You know what, guys, we've been given some promises and we know who God is and we've been saved. Why are we just standing here? You know what I mean? Why are we, what, you know, God has done some great things in our life. We've got freedom. Our chains are gone. There's no chains on me. Why are we just standing here? Why don't we take the power that God has given us, the Holy Spirit, take all the examples that we've seen Him do. We've got Him in our life. Don't just stand here. It says to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Set people free. Um, you know, and, and He's going to come back. You know, but He's going to come back, but He's waiting for us to, to be His hands, His feet, to save the lost so that, so that He can come back. And take him to heaven with him. Amen? So, you know, to me, I just thought, thought that was, whoa. If I'd have been there, that would have been weird. And then the th- number three, spiritual maturity. God is interested in spiritual growth of his kids. If we grow people spiritually, they're much more, uh, they much more quickly accept their healing, prosperity, and it will be mixed with maturity. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25, and the Amplified says, do you not know that in a race all runners compete? But only one receives the prize. So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. Now every athlete goes into training, conducts himself temperately, and restricts himself in all things. They do it to win the wreath that will soon wither. But we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. The message says they do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that... That's gold eternally. In Proverbs um, 11.29 says, He who wins souls is wise. Guys, that's the heart of God. The heart of God is that that we have a heart for the lost. Amen? That, that we live a spirit-filled life. That we're led by the Spirit. And that we grow and become spiritually mature. Spirit, spiritual maturity exercise self-restraint. Spiritual mature people are a blessing wherever you find them. You know, if you're not a blessing, you ain't spiritually mature. That's your self-interest. What did a pastor say last week? All our problems, they stem from selfishness. You know, if you're not a blessing everywhere you go, you're not spiritually mature. I know because I sometimes ain't a blessing everywhere I go. In in your home, if you're if you're a husband, a spiritually mature husband, great peace is in the house. You're an example of great peace. If you're a spiritually mature wife, you know there's wonderful joy in your house. It should be there. If you're a spiritually mature teenager, it's a house of signs and wonders. Because if you have a teenager that's spiritually mature, I guarantee you there's some signs and wonders going up in that place. 
a spiritually mature teenager. So, um, you know, those are the things. You know, we, we want to have the heart, one heart, one mind with Christ. Amen. Amen. Come on, close your eyes this morning. We're just going to pray.